Hey, welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys here with us. Yes, all of you, including those of you still standing with your hand raised. Hey, if you guys would be seated, uh, that would be great. Um, and all of our locations today, it would be fantastic. I do want to say a special hello uh, to all of you that are worshiping with us down in the venue today, um, as well as all of you that are here on August the 9th of 2015, um, out in North Platte. That was just to prove the fact that, yes, we actually are live. Okay, so, um, listen, we are one church, multiple locations. Uh, we, we've got, th- we have three different services that are happening simultaneously right now, live worship, campus pastors, and uh, we're all joining together, huddling around God's word as one body focused on one passage today. You've come today, we are in a series that we've entitled Forgotten God, all right? Now, we're not talking about and Forgotten God, we're not talking about some ancient time period in some foreign land where they worship some idol. That's not what, that's not the forgotten God we're talking about. We're not trying to dig something up from some past that's really just a piece of wood or a piece of stone. We're talking about the third person, if you will, of the Trinity of God, God, the father, God, the son. We're totally focused in this teaching series on the forgotten aspect of God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's our agenda uh, over these next few weeks is to be, you know, digging into God's word and figuring out what does it say about the Holy Spirit and how do we get our lives to line up with God's word and really experience God's spirit on this earth, wanting to dwell in the hearts of man, but also wanting to empower us to be the believers that God's called us to be. So that's kind of our journey today. Today we're taking a step deeper into the journey. These last few weeks have kind of been on the surface level. In fact, last week, I think the sermon title was something like, you know, Theology of the Holy Spirit 101. Uh, So it doesn't get much more simple than what it was last week. We're not going to stay at that level. We're going to keep going deeper. There's more things to discover about the Holy Spirit. I, I hope that you're here today for that type of a journey. If you're here and this is your first week with us, I've got great news for you. You can actually go to mynewlifechurch.com and you can click on um, watch live or watch now and you can actually get archived sermons from, from years ago. But more importantly, you can get the last few weeks, the last three weeks, in fact, of this, path, of this current teaching series. What that means for you is you can go home and then this week, if you'll take 30 minutes here and 30 minutes there, you can watch a few of these things pretty quick. You can walk through the doors next week, totally caught up, um, and on the same page with us. That's fantastic. What a beautiful day we live in. By the way, you could do that just on your smartphone. Man, yes. Just look at each other and go, this is fantastic, all right? It's fantastic. I love it. I love, I love this world we live in. It's amazing. I love the time period in which I get a walk on this earth. I thank God that this is a moment that he put me here. With all of its challenges, with all of the challenges and with all of the amazing things that are going on, to be used to preach God's word, it is incredible. Well, hey, listen, um, to get started, if we're going to go deeper in this teaching series, Forgotten God, let's start it out with, um, with me just kind of being very vulnerable and extremely transparent with you. You know, a, a few months ago, a number of months ago, we began a journey to find a, an additional staff member uh, to work with us here at our church and uh, specifically to work in our youth department. 
Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't that any, anyone else that's on our staff was leaving. It's that we needed to hire another staff member. I take hiring a staff member very serious. Um, I mean, I'm going to be adding a person onto our team that I'm going to ask you to trust. I'm going to ask you to you know, refer to them, even as a pastor. That person better have, they better have the right character. They better have the right qualities. You follow me on that? But they also better have our DNA to the best of their ability. They, they better have the aptitude to understand our philosophy of ministry, why we do what we do. I don't expect them to know everything, but they, they better have the aptitude to figure that out. So when we started searching the nation, the nation was thin for the role that we needed. There was few people that were out there um, that, you know, we really felt like that's the kind of person that we're looking for. They've got, they have the right resume. They've got the right character. You know, they, they just have all of the goods. They got all the pieces put together. A lot of great people that are out there. There's no doubt about that. And a lot of amazing people that gave us the resume. But what we sense the Holy Spirit speaking to us about. And I do have to admit something to you that during that, pro- that process, um, I found myself doing something that I thought was amazing. I found myself praying more. Yeah. I found myself watching my life more closely. You know, does my life lining up with God's word? Are there things about my life that I could tweak slightly that would you know, really laser focus me on God and on God and on his word? I've, you know, I found myself in his word more. And all of a sudden one day, it's like the Holy Spirit whispered into my ear, why are you doing this? Well, instantly, I answered it like you would answer it. It's for you, God. It's all for you. And it's like the Holy Spirit kind of like speaks in your language. So he just basically says to me, really? It's all, it's all, for, all for him. And I had to humbly admit that I was on a quest to fill a slot that was very, very important to me. And I found that my actions were being swayed to a point that I was trying to somehow impress God so that God would notice me and somehow I would get better on God's side and God would give me what I was looking for. Now, I know I'm your pastor. None of you do those things. None of you have ever found yourself praying more to see God do something that you need. You've never found yourself, you know, trying to read your Bible more or trying to figure out how to get on God's good side more. I know you guys don't do those things. So I thought I would be more transparent and just tell you, I found myself in that place. Did I like that? I didn't like that at all. But you know what? I found that the same thing happened with Jesus in John chapter 6. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, I don't know if you remember that or if you've heard about that. Some of you maybe have never even read it. So let me just tell it to you the way, the way it went down. Jesus shows up on the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Galilee, which is in Israel, and he's on the eastern shore of that. And 5,000 people have gathered there, plus women and children. So we're going to turn this story into the feeding of the 10,000. 
if you'll, if you'll allow me to do that, because who knows how many of the women and the children made. Let's just easily say that it doubled. So Jesus is there, and there's 10,000 people, and he's teaching them, and it, it's starting to get to a point where these people can't make it back to the other side of the lake in time. They're getting hungry. Something has to be done. The disciples are like, Jesus, it's our responsibility. What are we going to do about this? To feed this many people, the disciples think, if we combined all of our resources, it would take all of our resources for eight months to come up with enough money to feed this size group of people. That's a daunting task. Jesus says to his disciples, well, what resources do we have out there? And he finds out that there's one boy who came prepared. He was the nice little boy scout of the entire group of 10,000. He's got a little backpack with five loaves of bread and two fish. Sounds very, very yummy, doesn't it? So Jesus says, give me the food. So they basically go, son, let me have the food. And he gives over his food. And Jesus starts ministering, starts praying. And he starts ripping apart the bread. And he starts putting it into all these other baskets. And he starts tearing the fish. And he starts putting the fish in other baskets. And before you know it, the disciples are taking these baskets around to these 10,000 people. And everybody has eaten. And there's actually food left over. This is amazing. The people are so amazed at what Jesus has done. Jesus senses in their heart and he can hear their whispering. This guy's, this guy, man, he's the prophet. He's come for a moment like this. He's going to free us from this, you know, tyranny of, of Rome that has come and, you know, is just ruling over us. You know, we're going to take Jesus. We're going to put him on our shoulders. We're going to march around this lake. We're going to march all the way to Jerusalem. Jesus is going to become the king. And Jesus, Jesus is thinking in his heart, I can't let this happen. This is not why I came. I didn't come to be an earthly king. My father is the king of everything. Why would I even be you know, enticed with being the king of one country? Is this ludicrous? Jesus sneaks his way out of the group, Bible says, and he makes his way to the top of a mount. And he's looking down on them while he's praying and seeking God. And night falls. Few of them have been able to escape. Few of them have made it anywhere else. They're all going to camp and they're all going to stay on this side. But the disciples have a boat and the disciples get into the boat and they don't know where Jesus is so they set sail to the west. They get about midway across this lake and all of a sudden they get totally freaked out because Jesus shows up walking on the water. Come on, that would freak you out. So after they get done freaking out, they get Jesus into the boat they instantly arrive where they're, where they're going, and then they, they sleep. The next morning, they get up. Now, they're on the western side of, of the lake. The people are on the eastern side that just got fed all this amazing food. And the people on the eastern side are going, well, where's Jesus? Where's the disciples? And they find out that they're all gone. So the people get on some of the boats, not all of them, but let's just say a few hundred of them get on some of these boats and they head across to the western side. Now when they get there, guess what happens? They're walking on the streets, they run smack into Jesus, and here's what they say. Whoa, Jesus, I can't believe it. You're here too? Now, what do you think Jesus says to them? Like, do you think Jesus was... Duh. No, Jesus didn't do that. There's nowhere in the Bible that you can find that Jesus ever used the word duh. <laughs> Jesus says this to them. I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. 
Jesus looked right through them. And he goes, you think I'm dumb or something? I got here before you did. But you're acting as if you were here first and I just happened to show up like, whoa, what a coincidence. Wow, Jesus, I was just with you on the eastern side of the lake and now I'm with you on the western side of the lake. Hey, high five me, Jesus. Wow, isn't that cool how we keep running into each other? No, Jesus looked right through it and he goes, you don't really want me as the son of God, you want me just to fill your belly. Basically, you're here again going, hey, Jesus, dinner was good. What do you got for breakfast? Now, I know you don't ever find yourself in those situations. Like, God, I love you, but I, just, I really need this. See, we're a selfish people. We're selfish, man. We, we want God and we want the Holy Spirit for what we need we want God and we want the Holy Spirit to make our gifts look good. Yeah. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of pastors that pray, I need the Holy Spirit so that I can look good in front of my congregation. Those are real temptations. You deal with the same temptations in the world you live in. Needing them because we're selfish. I mean, just go across the hall. You know, come up the ramp. You go out of the auditorium in North Platte and make your way down into, that, into the nursery area. Go into the nursery. Watch toddlers play for like five minutes. I guarantee you, what you're going to find is that we were born selfish. One toddler snatches a toy from another. What does the toddler do? You might have a brawl on your hands. They might bite each other, hit each other. Some of them might scream. They're going to drop to the ground and act like you do sometimes. It's going to be It's going to be amazing. Right? They're going to throw their tantrum. They're going to, we're selfish people when things get ripped from us. But let me tell you something. God, God wants to get beyond that selfishness, and he wants to empower you with the Holy Spirit. The thing you've got to do is you've got to answer one simple question to determine whether today is a day you're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit or not. It's one question. You ready for it? Why do you want him? Why? Do you want him because you need him to do something, like I confessed earlier? Do you, do you want him because you need to look really good at, on a test? You need to look really good on an assignment at work? You need to look really good because school's getting ready to start in Kearney this week, and you're a teacher, and you got to be in the classroom. Sorry to bring reality. <laughs> why, do you, why do you want him? We're going to have to get beyond our selfishness. We're going to have to get beyond our little ideas of somehow tying a leash around the Holy Spirit and walking him like a dog to do the things we want him to do versus us being the slave to the master. We're going to have to reverse the roles. So today, I want to help you wrestle with that question, why do you want him? To do that, we're going to jump into three Three books, we're going to take one of them, but there's three books, or three chapters, excuse me, in the book of 1 Corinthians. So in 1 Corinthians, chapters 12, 13, and 14, these are powerhouse passages dealing with the Holy Spirit. 
In these books, especially chapters 12 and 14, they talk to us about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is the work in the corporate body called the church, how the Holy Spirit's the work in the individual life called you. You know, what's right to do, what is wrong to do, what brings order, what brings chaos. It's all spelled out there. And there are some fantastic things written in 12 and 14 about the powerful gifts of the Holy Spirit at work in the church and through the active believer. And sandwiched right in between all that is a chapter that we often refer to as the love chapter. In chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians is where you find passages like love is patient, kind, right? Love. Love is not, it's not selfish, but it's giving. And it goes on and on and on. Love is patient. You know, it says love never fails. And sandwiched in between that is this love chapter. Why? Because I've told you many times, chapter 13 gives us like the DNA blueprint of God. It tells you about the very character and the nature of God. And if you want the Holy Spirit at work in your lives, what you're basically saying is, God, come and have your way in me and through me. You better know what that means. You better know what it means to have the Holy Spirit empower you and be at work in your life. And that's what chapter 13 does. So we're going to land there. In fact, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1, 2, and 3, as we dialogue about why do you want the Holy Spirit. So let's just jump into this thing. You should desire the Holy Spirit. The first reason is this, for God's glory, not your glory. For God to get the praise, not for you to get the praise. Right? For God's name to be lifted up, not your name to be lifted up. And we're talking about at your work in your household, in your family. We're talking about taking praise and bringing it to yourself versus, you know, receiving praise for great things you've done, but making sure God gets the glory. So why should you desire the Holy Spirit? First off, for God's glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 tells us this. It says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but I didn't love others meaning I didn't have the Holy Spirit in me, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I could speak all the languages of earth. I mean, a week ago, I spent the entire week in the country of Panama. If you don't know some Spanish, you're going to find yourself in a difficult situation. I mean, this is not like the biggest American tourist trap where everybody, you know, accommodates you and they, they speak your English. You know, this is a Spanish-speaking metropolis where Spanish-speaking people come and they vacation there. And now here am I, Jeff Baker and Kim Baker, you know, Americans who speak English and enough Spanish to be dangerous and get, us, get ourselves in trouble. And now we're there. It was a blast, by the way. I, I loved it. But what if, what if you could speak, like Paul says, all the languages of the earth? What would it be like if you could hop on a plane and fly to Panama City, Panama, and the doors open up and you instantly can't breathe because it's so hot, by the way. Wrong time of the year to go, FYI. So you you get off the plane and you can instantly speak Spanish perfectly. Would that be fun? Oh, it'd be a blast. Would it open up some doors to you that maybe you don't, you've never had open to you? Yeah, yeah, it would. But then what if you could hop on a plane from Panama City, Panama, and fly straight to Paris, France, and hop off the plane, and the door opens up, and you can speak perfect French? Well, that would be awesome. 
Then all of a sudden, you hop on a train and you end up in, you know, Munich, Germany, and you can speak perfect German. And then you hop on a plane and you fly to one of the most difficult language groups um, on our planet, Iceland, and you can speak their language perfectly. And then you hop on another plane and you fly to Moscow and you jump off the plane and you're speaking perfect Russian, right? And then you hop on some kind of like a vehicle and you drive all the way through and you get into Mongolia and into China and you can speak perfect Chinese. That would be amazing. And then last but not least, you hop on a plane, a plane ride out of Beijing, and you end up in the middle of Africa in some small little village where you can speak their dialect perfectly. That would be amazing. Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it just like, it would, you know who you would be? You'd be one of the most famous people on the planet. You would be on all kinds of TV shows. You, you would be on commercials. You wouldn't have to work another day in your life. You would have some mad skills, man, that people would want to try to master. You would be the walking Rosetta Stone. It would be awesome. You could have all of those skills and all of those abilities, and you could wow everybody. But if you didn't have the Holy Spirit, the Bible says you would just be like a noisy gong. If you didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of you, it would all be about you and the attention would be on you and it wouldn't be your attention on God. Too many people, they want the Holy Spirit just to make them look good. We want the Holy Spirit to make us look like a better Christian. We want the Holy Spirit to make us look like we know what we're talking about. We want the Holy Spirit to help empower us so that our, our gifts can be used in a way, you know, that make us look like we really are somebody, somebody that we're not. It's amazing to me how many of us in America are trying to be somebody that we're not. It's like we're on a journey to be someone else constantly and you're never going to make it. We've got to be on a journey to be the person God called us to be. That's when we bring glory to him. Not when we're on the journey to be someone else. You need to know today the Holy Spirit's job is not to make you look good. It's to bring God glory. That's his job. His job is to make sure that through your life that you're giving God glory. Let me tell you, part of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is so that your gifts aren't repulsive to others. Yeah. You're like, well, I'm not repulsive. You know what? I think more of us than not have more of a spiritual BO going on. You a little bit of a spiritual BO, you know? Because life really is more about us than it is really about God. Let's just be honest. I mean, that's the trap of this world we live in, that's what we fight against continually. And the Holy Spirit's role is to take your gifts and to diminish the repulsiveness of it and to make them attractive so that it points people to Jesus. I mean, you guys have to admit you've met Christians that call themselves Christians, even say they're on a mission from God, and they're just, ser- I mean, they're seriously repulsive to the kingdom. They push more people away from God than they draw people to him. Right? We don't mention any names, but it's all true. And see, in our lives, that's part of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to make our gifts attractive so that people look to Jesus. That's giving God glory. They look right beyond you. They look right beyond me. Our whole lives are supposed to do this. Take a look at what 1 Corinthians has to say. In chapter 10, by the way, it says, whatever you do, what does the last part say? Read it with me. Do it all 
for the glory of God. Whatever you do. See, I think many of us were on this We're on this drive. We're on this spiritual journey to figure out what God's will is for our life. And so many of us, we don't know what God's will is for our life, so we don't do anything. And we're waiting around for this magical moment when the sky opens up and when Moses himself comes down with his big staff and he goes, this is what you're supposed to do. Let me just put it to you maybe a different way and make God's uh, God's will and God's agenda for your life very simple. Let me put it into two words, whatever and whenever. That all by itself could define God's will for your life. Whatever and whenever. Whatever you're doing, give, it, give the glory to God and you'll be fulfilling his will. Whenever you are, whenever, whenever you're anywhere, whenever God wants to get the glory, just worship him and honor him. Whatever you're doing, whenever it is, follow that and give God glory. I'm telling you, you will walk right smack into the middle of God's will and you'll be walking in the middle of God's will. If you just simply say, whatever I'm doing, whenever it is, I'm gonna give the glory to God. I guarantee you, you're gonna be walking right in the middle of God's will. You don't have to wait for this big moment. Just whatever and whenever and whatever you do, We should be doing it for the glory of God. So let me just give you a couple of things. First, seek the empowerment. Seek the empowerment of the Holy Spirit today by simply saying to him, Holy Spirit, what are some things that I'm doing, gifts that I have, that I exercise, that it's really more about me getting the attention versus God getting the attention? And would you show me those things? Just simply ask him. You know, I look at this crowd and I know the kind of people that are in the venue and the kind of people that, you know, worship with us at North Platte. And I know that many of you, when you ask that kind of question, there's not going to be this one big thing that just jumps off the page. It's probably going to be a little bit more like my story to you about praying for that staff member early on. It's probably going to be something where, you know, you're going to have to really look closely. You're going to have to really take a moment and evaluate your life because it's going to be probably something fairly small. But ask the Holy Spirit, what are gifts that I have that I'm using more for my glory instead of your glory? And then align those things with him. Bring them to him. Humble yourself. Confess and repent like I had to do. Another thing is practice true thankfulness. Use your gifts. And when praise comes your way, make sure that you quickly you quickly redirect that back to God. And I'm not talking about the, you know, the football player that kneels down after the touchdown and points up to heaven. Because I'm just going to tell you, not that I know hearts, but there's a lot of so- a showmanship when it comes to Christianity in the world we live in today. And not all of it is for God's glory. Some of it is for how I look in your eyes. I'm talking about a true thankfulness that comes from the core of the heart. Not one that has to be spoken out loud. Like, well, well, brother, you know, well, God really gets the praise. Well, we all know that. How about just an authentic heart that this simply says, God, quietly inside of my, my own heart, God, thank you that you've given me the gifts and abilities to accomplish that task. Thank you that you directed my steps to this place that I could interact with that person, that, that Lord, this life would be impacted and changed. God, just something that's, quiet and gentle. That's just you and God. It's between you and him. That's where the authentic relationship happens. Not in the, not in the showmanship, not in the boastfulness. It's in those quiet, intuitive moments 
where you recognize without him, I'm nothing. Which is a healthy thing to be reminded of, by the way. You know that God's the one that created you. He's the one that gave you those gifts. He owns them. You don't. And the faster that you and me align ourselves and say, okay, God, have your way, then the faster you're going to see God do amazing things in your life. Well, there's another way that you should desire him, and that's in God's agenda versus your agenda, obviously. And in you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, let's look at verse 2. It says this, If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and I possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, or I didn't have the Holy Spirit at work in my life, I would be what? Nothing. But how amazing would you be if you could actually do those things? I mean, really, seriously, how amazing would it be if you could prophesy and know the future on everything? Well, how amazing would it be if you really, truly did know all the secrets of God? How amazing would that be? How amazing would it be if you could actually take a mountain, a physical mountain, for for an example? You could take a mountain from Alaska and move it to Nebraska. That'd make me happy, by the way. If you can do that, please talk to me before you do it because I want to buy some land next to where you're going to put the mountain. It's going to be a great place to live. Now we know that it's not just talking about moving a physical mountain. We're talking about the mountains of the, world, of the life that we deal with. But what would it be like if you could do those things? It would be fantastic. But let me tell you what the Achilles heel is. If you could do all those things, your agenda would often get ahead of God's agenda. Because you would often rely on those strengths instead of the giver of the strength. You would often rely on the abilities that you have instead of the one who gave you the abilities. That's just who we are. That's what we do. We get comfortable with things and we start thinking, look at what I have versus look at what you've given me. We have to realize this life that we live in is about God and accomplishing his agenda. And you and me desperately need the Holy Spirit or we can't get it done. The Holy Spirit is not, by the way, you're all express, you know, full access, 24-7, 365 days a year, access pass to get all of your prayers answered by God. That's not what the Holy Spirit's for. You know, the Holy Spirit isn't there just to, you know, power you. Now, to just do whatever, whatever you want to do, whatever makes you happy. That's not what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is there to empower you to accomplish God's agenda. In God's time, when God sees that it's best, in God's direction, as if God is the conductor of a symphony. Does it, do any of you guys play instruments at all? Any of, the, any of the locations, if you play an instrument, just raise your hand. Okay, how about this? Keep those hands up. How many of you guys used to play an instrument when you were in school but stopped and wish you still did? Okay, now we're getting honest. Okay, good. All right. So let's just say that God is, or let's just say I am the conductor for a moment. I'm the conductor of the symphony and you're in, you're in my, my orchestra, my band, all right? And I say to you in the back room, okay, guys, tonight, it's Friday night. We're going to have our concert. We're going to play songs one, two, three, four, and five. We're going to play them in that order. And you are the lead violinist. And you say to yourself, no, that's not, no, no. One, two, three, four, five in that order. I don't like that. You know, because on song three, I've got one amazing solo. I want that one to be first. Because, I mean, come on. 
my, my solo, I'm the lead of this whole thing. You know, I'm, I'm the last one to sit down. Come on, I should at least get to use some of my, my things. And all of the brass department goes, no, 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 no. Song number five, we're going to play song number five first because in song number five, we shine. I mean, the best brass in the land, we, it, it, it's awesome. And the drummer goes, no, it's going to be song number two. Song number, you know, two. We're going to play song number two first because in song number two, man, when we hit those timpanies, oh, man, it is, it is awesome. And then the quiet, gentle little clarinet players say, okay, we'll play song number one first. I just picture clarinet players being tender and soft like that. So the conductor gets everybody in there. The whole audience is there to watch it. He turns around, flips his coattails, all right, here we go. One, two, three, four. And then everybody starts playing the song that they thought should have been played first. What's it going to sound like? It's going to be chaos. It's going to sound a lot like my fourth grade band class. And we were actually all trying to play the same song. It's not going to go over well, right? Now the conductor, if he's got any sense to him, is going to stop the whole group. And he's going to apologize to the audience. And he's going to go, give us one more shot at this. And he steps back up and he pulls the whole band to order. And he has that look on his face like, you better play song number one. And when he counts it down and you play the first song that you think should be played again, that's when he steps off and he apologizes to the entire group. And he sends everybody home and he takes you to a back room and he fires every single one of you, except for the clarinet players, that didn't play song number one. (laughs) He fires you. It's, it's ludicrous for us to think, God, you are the conductor. You're the conductor. You created all things. You know all things. You've got it all under control. But for us to be on this earth going, but God, but you don't, you don't work where I work. And you don't work with those people. I mean, if you just knew those people and you knew what I had to deal with, you wouldn't play song one first. You'd play song number three. And then God quietly whispers to you and says, you, you do realize I created those people. <laughs> I mean, I know them. Yeah, but God, you don't know what I have to work with in this job. This job is it's hard. It's, it's toilless. I mean, it's, it is difficult. And God goes, yeah, but you, you don't realize that I'm the one who gave somebody the skills and the abilities to even come up with that industry. It is ludicrous for us to be in the band and to think we can tell the conductor what's best to do. It's going to be his agenda and his agenda alone. That's what we're supposed to be living for. And all too often, we don't do it because we just don't know what God's agenda is. Well, today I want to help you. I want to to let you know, what is the conductor's agenda? What is his number one agenda? The very first thing that's in his heart to accomplish. And let me just tell you this. It's super simple. And it's found in Luke chapter 19. It says these, these words. Why don't you read it with me? in all of our locations. So let me hear you, North Platte. You're going to have to be very loud. All right, you ready? For the Son of Man came to seek and save those. That's God's agenda. Yeah, but what about, what about my things that I want to do? I know, see, that song is going to get played second, third, fourth, or fifth. It actually, actually might get played, but it's not going to get played first. When you decide to play his song first, your song gets played. 
But when you just keep saying it's going to be my song, it's going to be my way, it's going to be what I need to be done, then the conductor puts his sticks down and he decides to wait until you're willing to play his song. It's more the Holy Spirit's role is to help you and me accomplish his agenda more than any other thing on the planet. And the Holy Spirit wants to fill you with the passion to accomplish God's agenda. You're going to be filled with more joy when your agenda is his. You're going to be filled with more satisfaction in this life when you live it in such a way to accomplish his agenda first over yours. And you're going to find that this life and some of the difficulties of this life aren't going to be as difficult as you thought when you decide to get on his page and play in his band and play his song first. That's what he wants to do. And the Holy Spirit wants to help you with this. He wants to help you by reminding you about God's agenda. Let me just ask a question to you guys. And please don't, don't raise your hand on this one. How many of you guys lived all last week and you didn't think once about this number one agenda that God has? About seeking and saving the lost? I mean, honestly, how many of you guys lived all week long and you didn't think once about that? I mean, if you find yourself in that situation, you probably are in the majority here today. So don't beat yourself up for that. But just be reminded, be reminded of our selfishness that we talked about earlier. How easy is it for us to live week after week? Weeks turn into months, months turn into years when we're not living with the number one agenda that God has. I came to this earth to seek and save the lost. See, we need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's role is to remind us of God's agenda more than ours. You know what the other role of the Holy Spirit is? If he's going to remind us of the agenda, he's going to empower us to accomplish the agenda. He's going to fill our mouths with the words that we need, and he's going to fill our lives with the actions that are going to attract people to surrender their lives to God's agenda. Didn't we just read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2? Didn't we just read that? And what were some of the words that were used in that? The gifts of prophecy. The gifts of great faith. Weren't there some incredible gifts just mentioned in the one little simple verse that we read, not to mention the entire Bible? Who's the giver of those gifts? The Holy Spirit. What's the, what's the reason for giving them? To accomplish God's agenda. So whose agenda have you been living for? And if you need to adjust your agenda, today's the perfect day. Don't get out of this place without adjusting your agenda to match his. The Holy Spirit's in this place speaking to the hearts of people, pulling you and directing you to fulfill God's agenda. And if that's what God's saying to you, then respond today. It's that simple. But there's one last thing I want to talk to you about very quickly. And that is to desire the Holy Spirit for God's enjoyment, not your enjoyment. To desire the Holy Spirit so that you, you can bring God greater joy versus just bringing you greater joy. So let's take a look at, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Then let's go to the next verse, verse 3. And it says this. Paul writes, If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, if I didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in my life, then I would gain, again, nothing. I would gain nothing. Many of us are on a, like this self-imposed agenda to 
somehow live a zealous life before God and, and somewhat try to impress him with our overzealous actions and overzealous words. We'll walk out of auditoriums like this and go, God, I'll tell you what, I'm going to prove to you that I love you. This week, I'm going to read my Bible five hours a day. And on top of that, I'm going to fast, you know, three meals. No, seven. No, I'm going to fast all week, God, for you. And uh, you know what? No, let's turn that into, I'm going to fast all month for you, God. And you know what I'm going to do? 10%. Giving you a tithe of 10%, that sounds so introductory. I'm going to give you 30%. When we have this overzealous type of attitude of like, I'm going to impress God, you know what you end up with? 20% less income and a couple of pant sizes smaller. That's what you end up with. Because God's not impressed with your overzealous mindset, actions, and attitudes. It's as if we're trying to fill out a resume for God that God's not interested in. It's as ludicrous as trying to apply for like a sales manager's job when all you list on your resume is your mechanic skills. If you, if you try to go apply for a sales manager's job and all you list on your resume is your mechanic skills, like I know how to turn this wrench and that wrench and I know what, what tool gets used for this, this fix and that thing and that thing, which is all great skills and I love those, that's not gonna get you the, that's not gonna get you the sales manager's job. The sales manager's job wants to see, do you know how to sell things? What are your people skills like? Have you managed people? What's some of your experience in that area of expertise in your past? And it's as if we're coming to God going, God, God, look at me. I know how to turn this spiritual wrench and turn that spiritual wrench in. I know how to use this tool to fix that. And I know how to make this thing happen and that thing happen. And I didn't even know how to, I didn't even know how to quote some scripture. And I'm not afraid to pray out loud in public. We put together this spiritual resume that we think impresses God and it doesn't impress him at all. What does? What does bring God joy? See, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's role when we quiet ourselves and we dial all of those zealous voices down. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit and the reason why you should want him is because you need him to align your joy meter with God's joy meter. Our joy meter is, is bombarded by this world that we live in. And we need that spiritual adjustment, like a spiritual chiropractic adjustment that realigns our joy meter with God's. And the Holy Spirit's role, and the reason why you should want him, is that he can teach you, and he can put a desire, and he can put a passion in your heart to do the very things for the right reasons that bring God joy. Let me give you an example. Like simple obedience. Simple obedience is a, is a lifestyle that brings God joy. That when God speaks or you read something in God's word, you instantly line your life with it. You don't have to debate and ask questions. You don't spend three months praying about serving in the nursery. You just get up and you go do it. Forgiveness, when we forgive others, like God has forgiven us, that brings God joy. When we give our best instead of our least, when we come to God and we say, this is my best and I'm giving it to you, that brings joy to God's heart. When we truly hunger for his word and we don't just have a hunger for knowledge, that, that gives God joy in his heart. 
When we come to him, and you know, we, we do things like we, we uh, raise our kids to worship, to worship God. When we raise kids and point them to the truth of God. When we love our spouse. When we worship him, not for what we can get from him, but just because he's king of kings and he's lord of lords and I'm the slave and he's the master and I just come and I worship him. That, that fills God's heart with joy. When we want to share our faith with others, that does when we tithe. When we have continual conversations of prayer with God. And the list goes on and on and on from there. But the Holy Spirit's job is to help remind us, challenge us, and convict us to do the very things that please God's heart. But watch. For the right reason. For the right reason. Man, one of the things that I love is passionate people. I mean, it brings tears to my eyes when I see passionate people seeking God. It just melts me like butter in a microwave, man. I mean, I'm just down for the count. It, it just rips me apart. It's such, it's such an inspiring thing. I love passionate people. I love passionate musicians, both Christ-centered and secular. They're passionate. I love passionate people that are sports, sports people that play, and they're just passionate about it in a, you know, in a good way, not in some bad way. I, I just love seeing people that are passionate. You know what God loves? God loves seeing people that are passionate to please him for all the right reasons. You can't do that on your own. You need the Holy Spirit to help you do that. So we end with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Everything you and me do is to please him. Why do you need the Holy Spirit? Because you need the Holy Spirit to help you please him. See, as soon as I say that, it's to please God. Some of you go, hey, my life can't please God. I mean, if you just followed me around, Jeff, this past week, you would tell me, yep, you're right. Your life can't please God. Just go do whatever you're going to do. That's, if that's what you're hearing today, that's one of the biggest lies from Satan that you could hear. That's one of the biggest traps from hell that you could hear, is that your life isn't designed to give to please God. That's just a lie. Your life is designed to please God. Your life is designed to put a smile on God's face. How's it going to happen? One simple little step at a time. But I want to take you to the end of the journey for a moment. I want you just to, you know, imagine with me your life pleasing God with everything that you do. Right? Everything. Everything you think, all the actions that you take, the love that you show to people, the motives that you have at business and work, the way you raise your kids. Everything you do from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, everything you do, it pleases God. How does that feel if that's what your life was? How does it feel? For some of you, it puts a smile on your face, doesn't it? For some of you, it even starts to cry, like create a tear in your eye, like, man, that's what I want. For others of you, it feels like a weight was lifted off your shoulders, like, whoa. <sighs> that would feel awesome. That would feel so freeing. Let me tell you how you get there. One step at a time. Today, you just need to ask yourself these three questions, and you need to hear just what the Holy Spirit's saying, and he may only answer you in one of them. How can I bring God more glory through my gifts and my skills? Point number one. How can I do that? 
And if the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and he shows you an area of your life where you live your gifts for more of your glory, then you need to lay that down. Question number two. How can I align my life with God's agenda and surrender mine? And if that's something where God just challenges you in your heart and he goes, yep, you know what? You're living your life for your agenda and it's time to slow that down and surrender it and start living for my agenda. Then that's the area. That's the little step that you gotta take today. Or what's one thing I could do to bring God more enjoyment? Could be just one small little thing. The way you worship today. The way you give. Could be any of those things we listed in a whole host of others. Those three simple questions about God's glory, God's agenda, and what brings God the most joy. If you ask those three questions and you say, you know, why do I need the Holy Spirit? You need the Holy Spirit to accomplish those things in your life. That's why you need him. You need the Holy Spirit to help you want to worship God with the right motive. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to spend some time worshiping. And our altars in all of our locations, they're open for people that want to worship God with the right motive. They're just a place for you to come and humble yourself and go, God, I want to worship you with the right motive. I need the Holy Spirit to bring you glory and to align myself with your agenda and to bring you joy. That's your response today. It's your turn to respond. It's in your court. You do with it what you sense God speaking to you. Why don't you stand with me? Father, in all of our locations today, as we looked at 1 Corinthians 13, you spoke to us about the power of your Holy Spirit and why we should want you. We shouldn't want you for our selfish gain. We shouldn't want you just for what we can get out of it. We shouldn't want you for how it makes us look. We shouldn't want you for just the, the joy it's gonna bring to us. We should want you for just the opposite of all of those reasons. There's people here today that they need to want you with a the, with the, with the desire to bring you more glory. Or to get on your page. Stop trying to live on their page all the time. Get on your agenda. Just to live. To live for you, the most holy God, to bring you joy. Holy Spirit, we need you because it's impossible to do those things without you. And all across this auditorium and down in the venue and out in North Platte, We're just simply saying, we need you because we can't do it on our own. But that's what you've called us to do. We don't want to be a noisy gong. We don't want to be a clanging cymbal. We don't want to be, at the end of the day, nothing. We want to be full of the Holy Spirit so that you could use us in a way that brings glory to the Father. Now have your way in our services. Have your way in this place as you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen.